Today's scripture comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 6 and 12 through 15. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Revive Church, this is not an easy Sunday, is it? Um, it's not easy because we're not all physically gathered together. And um, there's news about our brother and sister, what they're going through. It's, it's, it's just so painfully hard. Um, I'm thinking, I was even wrestling to it. Should I, I change the, the, the text? You know, today we're going to have a message about Sabbath, what it means to... Um, that there's a day set apart. Holy means set apart. And the Lord commands us to keep this day, to keep it. And I thought about this, and I thought, you know, maybe of all days, you know, when um, this day when we don't get to quite do what we normally do and how we worship and Right now, there are so many people all around our city. Uh, they have kind of a, you know, this, they, there is a forced stoppage of work. And then there's, there's, there's the worrying movement of life. It's moving, moving, moving. And, um, and today we had, you know, particularly crushed by especially just the most terrible news. I, 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 this morning just fluctuating. Um, when I particularly got that message from Tiffany about about the twins and read that part about the funeral, it just really hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just started, I was sitting at our dining table and I just started weeping. But, you know, um, each day, there's a day. <laughs> and most of our days is filled with work and the worrying of this world. Um, but every week we get reminded um, that we could stop and there's a rest. And that rest is from God. And boy, is that a grace. Boy, is that a gift. And so let's get into today's message, the liberating gift of rest. And so let's do this, all right? Part one. The Pharaoh of Productivity and the Gracious Command to Stop. That's part one. The Pharaoh of Productivity and the Gracious Command to Stop. Part two, the Grace of Liberating Obedience. I'll give you a little, some, some wisdom points here. The Grace of Liberating Obedience. How incredibly important it is that we are Sabbath keepers and how incredibly helpful it will be to liberate your life from enslavement. I'll talk about that. In part three, I want to close by t- 
talking about the gospel this way. Why Sunday is our Sabbath? Okay? The original command is that the seventh day, that Saturday, would be the Sabbath. Why do Christians now, why do we celebrate Sabbath on Sunday? It's Sunday now, and um, I wanted to say a little something about that. Today, maybe of so many days, we do need the gospel, right? And the goodness of God's Sabbath rest through Jesus, okay? So part one, um, I want to ask you a little, this is, there's this phrase that I keep thinking about as I was thinking about these messages. We're going to have two messages on Sabbath. This is the first one. And for the last several weeks as I'm prepping for this particular message, um, you know, I, I love Pastor Tim Keller. He's taught me so much about how to understand the Bible and the gospel. And one of the phrases he likes to talk about is, um, he, he talks about the inner murmur of the heart. And so inside of your mind and in your heart and in your soul, there's always murmuring going on. And one of the constant murmuring, I'm just venture to guess, is like this. Does it go something like this? Achieve, achieve, achieve. Do more, more, more. Try, try, try. better. Be productive. Is that, is that part of your inner murmuring? Is that you? Oh, in this city, oh, I'm sure it is. And um, if this is what you wake up to most days and you immediately think of all the stuff you're supposed to do, and if you're the kind of person that when you are relaxing, <laughs> you're relaxing, you're thinking about your grades or you're thinking about your test next week or the project that your, your group has to do next week, or what you have to get done for your family today, this is, this is it. This is the inner murmur of the heart. And one of the things I want to say to you is I want you to, want to, I want you to point out something. We read, this is, the pro, this is the beginning which most people think about before we get to the, which they ignore, and I've emphasized this to you in previous weeks. Verse 6, before the Ten Commandments, and I want you to always think of this as part of the Ten Commandments now, even though it's actually not a command. It's actually, it's, a, it's more like a fact, the most important fact. I am Yahweh, your God. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, it's his name. It's a, personal, it's a personal statement. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of what? Slavery. Slavery. And then, do you notice at the end of these verses, he tells you what to do. Take the Sabbath don't even let your animals work. Don't let your foreigners or you. No, no, nobody works. But then he says this um, in verse 15. You shall remember that you are enslaved. You are a slave. You are a slave in the land of Egypt. And Yahweh, the personal name of God, Yahweh, your God, brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And because of that, that's why you keep the Sabbath. That's why you stop. And so I want you to think about this. You know, enslavement. Enslavement isn't just somebody on the outside has to whip you to make you do what you have to do. You belong to somebody else. And I, and I said this to you in the past, that if you don't have any God or there's no other voice, there will be a Pharaoh and you are in Egypt and you have no other promised land. You understand? that every land you live in will be Egypt. 
And there will always be a Pharaoh. There will always be a Pharaoh. And I want, I, want, I want to say a little something about work. If there's no other voice and there is no other p- potential land of promise that's better than this land, then there's the biggest person of Egypt. That is the person that will own you. So I want you to understand, in, in the Egyptian theology, in the Egyptian philosophy, in the Egyptian worldview, Pharaoh is like their king, but he, they believed, was their God. <laughs> and everybody was owned by Pharaoh. <laughs> and whoever you are, whatever Pharaoh says you are, that's who you are. <laughs> and whatever Pharaoh tells you to do, that's what you do. And so the Israelites, they're, like, they're second class citizens. I don't even know if they're citizens. And Pharaoh tells them, you work you die, you do, do, do. Achieve, achieve, achieve. Perform, perform, perform. Productivity, productivity. This is the voice of, or you die. (laughs) That's it. And there is no stop. It's endless. There's no six days and then you get the seventh days off. There is none. It was just all the way through. This is all you are. This is who you are. This is what you do. And Pharaoh gets to tell that to you. And I want you to think about this. We live in, in a culture that has, you know, for, for uh, like a thousand years, take not just one day off, but two days off. And in this, and, and I don't under, know if our neighbors understand this. And if you understand this, even as a believer in Jesus, but even our neighbors don't understand that this day off that you get, it comes from God. It comes from these words. And if you do not believe in these words, that there's a day that you don't have to work. In fact, you stop working. Don't work. That, that if that didn't exist, and for a lot of you, it doesn't exist. So theoretically, Sundays, and most people take Sunday off. Okay, Saturday and Sunday off. But even if you don't have a personal God who tells you this is who you are and this is special to you. Do you know what you get on those other days? You get the work creeps in to Saturday. <laughs> the work creeps in on Sunday. Doesn't the work creep into your life? Now we have this thing called the smartphone. And then, so now you go home from work, but actually the work follows you to your phone. So you get home and even if you just want to eat dinner, watch some TV, listen to some music, it's there, it's there. On Sunday, it's there. On Saturday, it's there. It's there. It's there all the time. Um, uh, my, my wife and I, we have a friend, and um, from, she, you know, she, I think, I don't know if she graduated the same year as my wife from, um, from in college, but after she, you know, she graduated from a, a prestigious school in the East Coast. And after she graduated, she got a job as an investment banker. And I don't know if you know this. Um, she was telling us she works 100 hours a week, sometimes more. And I remember sitting there thinking, doing the math. I said, wait a second. There's only 168 hours in a week. So if you work 100 hours, if you sleep seven hours a night, there's, not, there's only so many hours left over when you're not working. And you're actually awake. And, you know, she's in New York. So some of those waking hours are commute. 
and that's eating and shopping for food or maybe having the food delivered to her. And I was thinking, besides shower, food, eating, commute. Basically, she woke up to work. And she told us, she, she told us this actually at our wedding. She came to our wedding and she said, you should be honored. I came to this. She goes, I chose you. <laughs> this is my, my life. I have no life. And I chose you guys for my vacation. And she goes, this is all I do. I wake up and I work and then I go to sleep. And then I get an hour and a half, she's a Christian, to worship on Sunday and then I go back to work. And I was like, oh my goodness. Now that seems rather extreme, isn't it? Many of you, you don't have to be an investment banker, but if you don't have Sabbath, you're already there. <laughs> it's already there inside of you. It's already there inside of you. Pharaoh's inside of you. You don't work 40 or 30 hours a week. You work 70 or 80, or you get off work, and then Pharaoh is on you for the next 10 or 20 or 30 hours, isn't he? And how about this? This gets crazier. Pharaoh isn't even your boss. It's not money. It's not, Pharaoh is you. Pharaoh's you. See, if there's no other God in there, then you're living in Egypt. So you, you're, you're living in Egypt. Egypt is not out there. Egypt is in here. Egypt is in your mind. Egypt is in your heart. And there's just you and there's Pharaoh and Pharaoh is you. <laughs> that's, I know that's a little strange. There's you, there's Pharaoh oppressing you. You're Pharaoh oppressing you. And so you yourself is saying, productive, productive, productive. Achieve, achieve, achieve. More, more, more. Try, try, try. Get better, 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 better. And here's the command from God. So with that, all this said, here's the command. You know what Sabbath means? I'm, I, I'm an Old Testament professor, absolute expert in uh, Hebrew and even rabbinic stuff. And he said, Sabbath actually doesn't mean Here's what it means. It's actually what it means is really simple. Shabbat means stop. That's what it means, just stop. This is God's command. For all of you in the inner murmur of the heart, beating yourself up, you need a different voice besides you, besides the Pharaoh, constantly living only in Egypt and thinking all you have is Egypt. What you need is stop, just stop. For a whole day, stop. It's pretty interesting. Not even your animals, <laughs> not your children, not the sojourners. The sojourner means, um, you know, the, the foreigners. And, and think about this. If it would be really helpful if this was a we activity, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if your whole company stopped? <laughs> um, what if your dad was a workaholic? And he felt like such and such and many, many things get to do, but he tells you to go do it. He says, he can't do it. He goes, okay, well, okay, next week you do it. I'll do it today. And there was never a day when that stopped. There was never a time when that stopped. And brothers and sisters, this is what we live in today. This is a, you guys want to know what post-Christian life is like? It's just Egypt all the way down. That's it. That's all there is. And this is a really important example. Now, I want to point out a few other things. Um, 
if we're in Egypt all the way down, your identity is based on what you do, your work. So this is how we do it in America today. What's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? <laughs> so who you are, you know, you know, we actually, this is, it's actually, this is a corruption of the language itself. The language is telling us we, have, we are an Egyptian culture. What do you do? What you do is your identity. <laughs> and if you don't do that, then what are you? Who are you? You're nothing. <laughs> and so even in our culture today, so I, I give me an, I'll give you an example of something that I, where I see this, is if you are a stay-at-home mom, People often go, I'm only a stay-at-home mom. What do you mean you're only a stay-at-home mom? Because the work. And what other people get out of that work is the measure of who you and I are in Egypt. And so and it's all counted. The grades are counted. The productivity is counted. Whatever work output has to be counted. The money is counted. It's this incredibly scientific and quantitative society we live in, right? It's, just, it's hard to quantitatively figure out what mom does, even though it's incredibly important. But in, in the scriptures before God, it isn't what you do that gives you your worth. It's just who you are. <laughs> you belong to him. We sang it today. I belong to you, Jesus. Jesus is Yahweh come in the flesh. I belong to you, Jesus. And for that, that's who you are. And that's where your worth comes from. Even if you don't produce something. So you have a day. You do nothing. You utterly have infinite worth before God. And that's why there's a day when you just, he just says, stop. Don't do any work. And I want to say... Um, uh, one more thing before I go to part two. There's this very famous phrase, or at least it's famous among Jews, which is that the Jews kept Sabbath, but just as important, or maybe even more importantly, the Sabbath has kept the Jews. And I want to say this, I want to re reflect on this for just a moment. Right? You want to know how you can stay in Christ. There's a part that you and I, if we... We live in the faith. It's like faith is not just something you believe cognitively in your head. We practice it and then we give it like feet and life and activity. And what is that? Sabbath is a huge key. It's an absolutely huge key. And so over against all of Egypt telling you, you're nothing unless you do, do, the, you do. And then this, how can this be, this not get into our, the Egypt of our mind and then we oppress ourselves as a, a Pharaoh or our own Pharaoh. How can this happen? Only if the Sabbath keeps us. If God's voice, if God's day, when God says, I love you, period. You have infinite worth, period. Don't do anything today. <laughs> Just be today. Just be. Eat laugh, sleep, do nothing, and just be loved. That's it. And do that every week. And you'll know who you are. We live in a, a city just like our, our, you know, our friend who you know, is New York. 
You know, you're not investment bankers, but it's all the same. We live in a city just like Manhattan. And um, the Jews kept Sabbath, but the Sabbath kept them. And I want to, you and I desperately need this gift, this Sabbath gift to keep us from slipping right into death and enslavement. Let's go to part two. I want to give you some wisdom. I want to give you three key wisdom points, and I'm going to give you, this is such an important word. We're going to talk about this again next week, and I'll give you a couple more wisdom points next week, but I want to give you three key wisdom points that I hope will help you. Number one, um, do not neglect worship. (laughs) I know that seems, do not neglect worship. I didn't say go to church. I'm talking about worship. I'm not saying go do stuff for church. No, 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 no. I said worship. Worship means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I know a lot of us are not good at that. We talked about that last week. Worship God with some of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you know why we go? Because we first are told we love him because he first loved us. Worship is first to go receive that truth and grace. And you know, you and I, we desperately need that because all week long, all of our life long, the Egypt is like corrupting and getting into us saying, you're not loved, you're nothing unless you produce this. You get these grades. You have this title. You make this money. And then, you know, we actually do this to each other. If you don't give this to me, then I won't be your friend. And we divorce each other over these things. And then we you know, disapprove of our children because you didn't do this. But worship is that place where the grace of the gospel will tell you you're loved on the basis of nothing that you do. In fact, what you have done is so filled with either self-righteousness and sin that you actually deserve the opposite. But by grace, through the Yahweh who came into the flesh for our sake, he has loved us first. (laughs) Please do not neglect worship. And this is why I want to just, something I want to say, there's something going on in our culture where the Christians, the Christians say they go to, you know, they they know they're supposed to go to church. So they go to church and they treat Going to church and going to worship as like one checkbox among the multiple things that you do um, as a Christian. It is not one checkbox. It is not. I want to I urge you, put worship in your life and never touch it. <laughs> never touch it. I, I, you go on vacation, go worship. <laughs> I, I even say that. Go find a church nearby that preaches the gospel and then just go there and worship. You go to a foreign country, <laughs> I don't know, it's, they're not even saying the gospel in, in, in the language, I don't know, go there or get the live stream at your church or at least just sing a couple songs with your family and let your family or two or more gather in your name, Jesus, he's there. And then maybe go and hear you know, the gospel through our podcast or something like that. Have worship in your life. Never touch it. It's an absolute priority. You can't, you don't touch it. You never touch it. It's there. It's one of the things I want to say. If you do this, 
It'll have so many profound effects into you, your life, your, you, your marriage, your joy, because this is what's at stake. Your identity, your worth, the strength inside of you. Some of you feel like I'm feeling like, like far from God. Then worship. <laughs> worship. The health of your soul is at stake. You know, your children are at stake. Your family's at stake. And, and you know, I, I come from, a, a, you know, my, my parents, they're godly people, but of course they're really, they're normal, sinful, perfect parents. But one of the things I'm tremendously grateful for is it was like this thing, going to worship God on Sunday, that was like, you just, I think, I, th- I think I remember literally one Sunday when that didn't happen. <laughs> it was one Sunday. It was, cr- it was a crazy day. The, the, the storms in the city were so bad, and then my dad was trying to drive to church, and then it was completely washed out, and then he tried to get another way, and then it was washed out. And then, and then he then did something that I thought was completely crazy. He drove, turned around, and went home. <laughs> I was like, what? I, re- I remember, I was like, I must have been seven or eight years old. I was like, What? We're not going to go to church and worship God. It was completely like a craziest day ever. And I remember thinking back, that was a gift. It's an important gift. Tremendously important gift. It's the first one. Don't touch worship. Number two, make it a whole day. So, so many Christians today, they they go, I go to church and I, okay, I did that thing. Then, the rest of the day is just like all the other days. So you're going to go do all your chores or you're going to pay your bills or you're going to work because work seeps into all seven days. It dominates certain days, but even today, it's gonna, there's going to do it, but try to make it a whole day. Now, I want to tell you a story about this. And if you've been with me, you might have heard a version of this story before, but it's so important today, and I want to, you know, I, I've, I've, um, I've had this uh, Sabbath rest taught to me multiple times as I've grown up, and um, you know, I was just like, for Christian, it's, well, you just do this, okay, get it, I get it. <laughs> and, um, but I, I, where it really stuck, so I was in graduate school, and um, I met a woman who was in the, in, the, in the Christian fellowship. This was at Harvard. And she was a PhD student in biology. And I knew she, was, she took her faith really, really seriously. And I barely knew her. And so I was hanging, we were walking down the street and we bumped into her. And this other person I was with is, was especially close to her, her. And they started talking. And somehow this subject came up. <laughs> she was, what are you doing today? And it was, I think, I think it must have been Sunday. And she looked all really happy and chipper and um, relaxed. And she said, well, I'm going to go have dinner with my friend. And, you know, and then we're going to, um, and, then, and then in a couple hours, I'll, I'll get to the lab. I think she was in biology. She was in the sciences. And she said, then she started telling the story that, um, that when she first came and was a PhD student in I want to say she was in biology. Um, that basically she's just live in the lab. So you can just imagine she's brilliant. She's getting to Harvard. People get into, don't get into Harvard by not working hard. And so she said, I used to just go to church in the morning and then I go right to the lab. And the only other breaks were like maybe if my friends or her family were to do something, and then maybe I'd go to maybe I'd go to Bible study in the middle of the week. 
And she said, I did this for a while. And all the joy just started going out of my life. And my friends and my family started telling me that I'm neglecting them. And I started getting really irritable and low and away from God. And then she says, I heard this message on Sabbath. And I just deeply convicted, this is, this is why my life is like this. And so here's what she said. She said, after that, she decided she needed the whole day. And so she decided that from Saturday dinner, this is how she did it. She goes, she'd get, she would say 24 hours. And she would, often had stuff to do before Monday. So she decided, I'm, Saturday's going to start for me dinner on Saturday through dinner on Sunday. And when dinner time started on Saturday till dinner time on Sunday, there could be zero lab work, no emails, nothing. Can't do anything that's related to anything that had to do with her studies or her career or science, all that stuff. And so then she started setting up dinners with her family and she would be there instead of thinking about, okay, all the time, inner murmur, blah, 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 science, 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 feral, feral, feral. She's at dinner, but she's not, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're at dinner, but you're not actually at dinner. She just shot out that out and she said, it's Sabbath. And, this was, and then she started going to church again and started serving at church again and started laughing again. And it changed her life. And she was so happy that day. It was really interesting. And you should understand, <laughs> those folks are not happy people usually. <laughs> Graduate students at that school are not happy people. Now, years later, this will be the way I'll close out this example. Years later, my wife and I, I was a PhD student in systematic theology at Westminster Seminary. And I had to study for my comprehensive exams. I want to let you know this. If you fail your comprehensive exams, which most people do the first time around, they usually study for one whole year at least. And so you have to show that you have like a breadth of knowledge across like every important subject. And you have to do crazy amounts of studying. So people usually do unbelievable, intense studying for this. And if you fail it, usually most everybody fails it the first time. And if you fail it the second time, if you fail it three times, the professors might ask you to leave the program. And that's like, that's it. You flunked out of the, the doctoral program. And so I decided I was going to study, like I didn't want to pass the exam. I wanted to kill the exam. <laughs> And I didn't want to just kill the exam to impress my professors. I actually really wanted to learn this. And in so many ways, I showed up for this PhD program so I would be forced to read all the big boys of theology. And this is why I actually showed up at the program. And so I'm not a very disciplined person, so here we go. Let's do this. And not long before, previously before that, my wife and I, we, 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 had, we had gone through a really bad period of our marriage. And we were in marital counseling. And Elizabeth was, you know, this is the first year of her birth. And so we have three children. Our marriage went bad when we, we went to two children. And that's when we needed the marital counseling. And we asked all our, um, you know, brothers and sisters in our small group, please pray for this period because our marriage could go under because I was such a bad husband before. I, this is, we're gonna, I'm going to do this? So I was really nervous. I was really afraid. And um, so we did this. You know, I basically, this was my week. I'd get up, <laughs> read a thousand pages a week over six days. 
right? And, um, and there was only two breaks. Sunday, 24 hours. And you know why we, I took the 24 hours? Because of her. <laughs> because of that sister, whose name I don't remember. I just vaguely remember her face. Because that stuck. The Lord made that stick in my heart. And so Sundays, we didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. Didn't, I just didn't even think about it. I, just, I started thinking about it, I would just shoot that out of my head. Anything I was reading or the work, I shut them. And then Wednesday evening, I'll come home early so that I would take care of the kids and Grace would get a break from watching over the kids. And that was it. For more than a year, that's the way it was. And I would say, that Sabbath saved our marriage. And it changed our life. It's important, tremendously important. Take the whole day, please. And if you really have to, like, even think about it, literally it's 24 hours, do it. And I've been thinking lately that I've been allowing work to kind of seep into, my Sabbath is Monday, since obviously this is a work day for me. And I've been thinking about this. I've been allowing this to seep in, and I've been thinking about repenting. Um, a third one, and this doesn't need me, is to, I don't think you need to... This is not hard, but I'm going to give you pure permission now. Go be with your friends. Attend to relationships. Who you are, who you are is known in relationship. Your relationships and your love, let me just tell it to you, is more important than your work. It's more important than your grades. It's more important than your money. It's more important than your achievements. Who you are is going to come to life in your relationships. Go be with your friends and your family. <laughs> Attend to them. That doesn't mean you have to be with them every single Sunday. Or whenever your, your Sabbath day is for some of you who may, who may work on Sunday. If, you, if, if some other day has to be your Sabbath day, maybe Monday or like, like pastors, then you have every permission, even a command from God, go be with them. Love them, serve them, laugh with them, cry with them. Be in relationship, okay? Don't touch worship. Take the whole day. Go be with your friends and your family with zero guilt. No guilt. Tell the Pharaoh of yourself, shut up. Please, shut up. Tell yourself to shut up. Be, you Do this. Go like this and then go, you, and then imagine it's you and just, Shut up! <laughs> and then just go, and then imagine Jesus standing there instead saying, you're good. Totally, you're at rest. And this is the way you can begin. So many of you are exhausted. You're exhausted, not just physically, you're exhausted in your mind and your heart. And you and I, I know you're not good at knowing how to even rest or stop. I'm not good at it either. We'll talk some more about just how <laughs> to learn how to rest. But this is the beginning. These are the basics. Now let me close by telling you the good news. So I don't know if you, so for those of you who don't know this, maybe you didn't know this, but this is a Sunday's the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. And so, um, you know, observant Jews, that's why they still keep Saturday. They actually start on Friday night. This is where our, our, this Christian sister, she starts, she goes, well, they start on Friday night and they go through Saturday night. So I'm going to do that too. So I'm going to start Saturday night and go through Sunday night. And so that's how they start. 
Huh? And they actually prep for dinner, Sabbath dinner, and all that. They, you have to prepare the dinner for Friday night on Thursday. That's how they do it, which is actually really wise. I think it's incredibly wise. Otherwise, your mom or you, whoever does the cooking, that, that, that means you're working. So you prepare to not work. But why is it on Sunday? You know why it's on Sunday? Because something really, really important happened on a Sunday. The ultimate Sabbath rest day happened on a Sunday. And you all know what that Sunday is. That was Easter Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> so why is that so important? You understand that Easter is the ultimate Sabbath rest day. It's the ultimate rest day. <laughs> so all the ancient Christians, they just realized Jesus was risen and we could stop from all our legalism. We could stop beating up our, ourselves over all our sin. We could stop condemning each other for one another's sins. <laughs> we can stop doing religion. We can stop thinking all of your, every day is built on Pharaoh and Egypt. We escape Egypt. We have a promised land because Jesus has conquered all sin and death and shame and guilt and murmur, 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 work, work, work on Easter Sunday. So let me say it to this way. He came to do a work for us. We theologians, we call it the redemptive work of Christ. Oh, almost seems too easy. You and I have work to do. And work is supposed to be good, but it's cursed. Your job, your resume, all that stuff you're supposed to do. And Jesus came to complete the work. And then there's more. Things that we should obey, which we don't. And then there's all the brokenness inside of us because we build our life on work. We build our life in Egypt. And we only have Pharaoh. <laughs> but Jesus came to do the work that only he could fill and complete. And to his redemptive work, he obeyed where we could not obey. And he did a work so that his work could forgive all our failing and all our disobeying and all the horrible ways that we actually choose enslavement. And the way we go, okay, oh, whatever, okay, I'm just, okay, I, well, it, Pharaoh, okay, okay, be, be with Pharaoh. Jesus even took that. And then all the death that comes with it. It's just dying and death. And he took it so that all his work would be more than enough and his dying would swallow up all our dying and all our guilt and all our uncompletion of work. Some of you, maybe you're beating yourself up because you didn't do this or you have this regret for like not having achieved this like five years ago. On the cross, let it die. Jesus said, you didn't get that grade. You didn't get this achievement. You didn't do this for your wife. You weren't good enough, mom. Because of this, this bad thing happened. You didn't take care of this. You know, let it go on Jesus. Let it die with him. 
And today is Sabbath. <laughs> it's Easter. He's saying, it's all gone. It died with me. And I give you a new day. Not work. Not guilt. No more regrets and disappointment. Live a new day. In the promised land. Stop and receive from him. Stop and be loved by him. All of those things that piled up all week long or piled up from three years ago or two years ago or you didn't do this well enough for your brother or for your friend and, or they, they tell it to you or the thing, you're, you're angry. You're angry at your husband. You're angry at your friend because you hold them to that work that they did not do or they did it so badly. It's washed away and dead and dying. And today is a new day where the rest, the Sabbath rest of God can change us and reset. Heaven can crack in with the resurrection life from Yahweh who is Jesus. This is why we worship on Sunday. <laughs> and I pray that every Sunday you like start thinking like it's Saturday. Oh, tomorrow is Sabbath. <laughs> it's rest. Let's stop. Let's worship. No more Egypt. We live in the Jerusalem from Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so filled with work, work, work. And even when um, we're not at work, we're still at work. And I pray, Lord, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the presence of Jesus alone, can quiet our soul and the constant murmur which comes from the Pharaoh in our own mind, in our own heart. Today's also been an incredibly painful day for our friends, our brother and sister. And we pray, Lord, that today would be Easter for them, Resurrection Day. For you, Lord Jesus, would have the final say. And today, even in this hard day, they could taste rest. They could taste grace. They could find their whole worth from you. In Jesus' name, amen.